It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to episode 119 as we march into the halfway point of this high school basketball season. We're glad you can join us as we'll you know, get into our questions like normal, uh, just a couple, I think, and do our two takes, followed by a look at some sleeper teams, surprise teams maybe, and then a little bit of a look ahead as Mike and I look ahead to this weekend that's got some good ones. So, uh, Mike, we're at the halfway point, I guess, of this season where I guess if you were looking at the big picture, a normal season, we'd be getting ready for the regionals. Yep. The snow is melting. We should be picking all area and people should be getting mad at us about player of the year right now. But instead we're just trying to figure out what's going on and the public league is just starting up. So very strange, but we are rolling along. Uh, Two questions. You were right. I didn't put out the call until late. Sorry about that, everybody. You can also email me at any point questions. You don't have to wait until I ask. Um, we'll be collecting them. So we'll be doing this at least for the next, what, three or four weeks. First question is from Joe Christensen. Joe says, can you give an update on the player of the year race and all area teams? Is the selection process and timing of the announcement going to be different this year? Are there any unexpected players in contention? Thank you, and I appreciate your coverage. Well, first off, Joe, yes, the timing's going to be extremely different. Um, we are going, I'm going to wait until after the season, which we don't usually do, but that just makes sense at this point. Um, yeah. I'll wait till, we'll wait till after the public league season two. So it'll be that week after everybody else stops. And I think I'm going to try and get it out right away that week, though, real quick. We'll do all, I'm going to do all city, all area, and we'll do player of the year. I, right now, unless somebody can convince me otherwise, I think I'm going to scrap all state. Um, I know, you know, that kind of gets all the Central Illinois and Southern Illinois players out of there, but I'm not going to see them at a state tournament. We haven't played any of them. They've been in their own world. And breaking things down by classes in our area seems dumb since it doesn't matter literally at all. So right now that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, as far as the race is concerned, I, mean, I think we came into the season knowing or believing that I, I thought, at least, that it was a two-player race at the top with a host of players that had the potential to break through and maybe make a run with Bryce Hopkins of Fenwick and Max Christie at Rolling Meadows as, you know, your 1A, 1B, top seniors, top recruits, very two highly, highly productive players. So they kind of had all the makings of being a, you know, a, a two-player race. Now... Did Louis Lesman, you know, check off some boxes with the monumental performance of last weekend, 35 points, the, you know, the signature moment of the season with the, I don't know, 60, 65 foot shot that beat Fenwick. I don't know. I mean, I think it's really hard at Notre Dame because of their great balance, their, the efficiency that those three guys, their three big guys 
from D'Amico and Anthony Sales and, and, and Louis Lesman uh, play with. So I think it's going to be hard to, to put up. And, and it's not about, you know, trying to establish player of the year numbers all the time, but I just think that's going to be a little bit of, of difficult going forward. Yeah. And, you know, on Louis Lesman's, you know, side, there haven't been a lot of big performances this season. I'm not even talking about 30 point games. I haven't seen a ton of mid to high 20s with consistency. That's something I noticed when I was researching one of the surprise teams and, you know, I do the notebook every night. There just hasn't been a lot of that. As far as the player of the year race, I'm not even ready to talk about it yet. The, the public league hasn't started. So mm-hmm. to me, it's way too early for that. I mean, what, five of the last six players of the year have been from the public league? I think until they really get going, um, it's kind of hard to talk about the race. Although we have a McDonald's All-American. Max Christie, congratulations to him. That was announced uh, yesterday. Not a huge surprise. Were you surprised at all that Hopkins didn't make it, Joe? No, I, I just think Illinois, I, I thought it was similar to last year. I, I think they were just going to get one one player in. Uh, I just felt like for Illinois to have a second player, because everything is so dictated now, or I mean, more so than normal on rankings and where you're at currently. You know what I mean? I mean, than any other year because we didn't even play basketball uh, throughout July. I mean, that's kind of where some players lost their put their, their uh, opportunity, their window, I should say, to kind of move into that that picture of, of McDonald's All-American. Next up, good friend of the podcast, Doug Hammer. Uh, he says, great having the podcast back. He says, I've been fortunate to be tabbed to gain entrance to my team's home games to provide live live stream commentary for the games. And it's not as easy as the professionals make it look. I do appreciate your live streams of closing moments of big games. After watching the recent No Fans in the Stands broadcast of the Fenwick Notre Dame game, I actually liked that they dispensed with the play-by-play for a part of it and just riffed with Ronnie Fields on his days at Farragut. It was entertaining and better than I expected. Any tips on making live streams sound Comcast sports-worthy? What are your favorite and least favorite parts of doing those? How are you making them work? Uh, first off, I guess we'll go, because Joe did a more professional uh, broadcast. Joe was on the uh, Notre Dame-St. Patrick call, which I did not get a chance to listen to because I was there. I didn't watch it, but how did it go for you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, so Rick Belnati is part of this grand plan here with the end of the, the season tournament as well as he came up with this no fans in the stands just to get more eyes on players. And we had talked about it and the concept behind it. And so I did that game. I also did the, which game was I at? Uh, <laughs> DePaul, uh, Ignatius game, no fans in the stands. We did that as well. So I've done two of those. We're doing Glenbrook South Evanston this weekend, but our, our idea is different than your standard typical broadcast. Ours was more of a, there is a quote-unquote play-by-play uh, guy, and then Rick and I just kind of have some basketball banter back and forth. So I enjoyed it because it wasn't your traditional broadcast. You know, Rick and I have a, you know been known, known each other for years and years and years, but, you know, and, and we talk basketball with each other all the time outside of no fans in the stands. So it, it's just kind of us continuing that dialogue and conversation, only talking about the game and, and bringing some historical stuff in there. So I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. You know, as far as tips, I don't know. I'm no professional, so I wouldn't have any, any idea. 
the, the the toughest part is for me or us is we realize is like when a game gets a little lopsided and I'm sure Mike goes on and it's, you know, Mike can sum it up in his minute there, but uh, it's a lot better when, although maybe it's worse for you, Mike, cause then you gotta like keep track of things. Even that's I mean, it's gotta be impossible for you to keep your stats, keep focus on the game and bring that last minute of play. Um, kind of a completely different animal than, than what we're dealing with. It's really annoying, I'm not going to lie. And the last minute's usually more like 15. Mm-hmm. If you look at how long they actually are. I'm holding this phone up, trying to do my stats. And yeah, it, it's not great. Um, it is fun. It's come in handy a couple times when I like wanted to watch the end. If it was like a really cool ending and I wanted to write about it. I, it was a totally unique experience. The first time I realized, oh wow, I can just watch it again. <laughs> you know? And that's like a unique prep sports thing. Other sports writers can just watch replays. For me, I have to totally rely on my memory usually for like that last sequence. Mm. And my memory is very faulty. <laughs> I, mean, I know this. And so I'll usually be asking if anybody was there. So that has actually really saved me a couple times when I could rewatch the end. And so that's kind of almost made it worth it to me. But fill in the downtimes because there's usually a lot of timeouts in these last minutes and free throws and nothing's worse than a 20 point game. They're calling three timeouts in the last 30 seconds. And I just end up blathering. Sometimes I'm afraid I'll get myself in trouble with uh, what I said the other day. I was a little too demonstrative. I think about how AJ Casey needs to get the ball more <laughs> for Whitney Young because <laughs> I was just kind of filling time and kind of that he'd only taken eight shots since the first 30 seconds of the game. And it was a close one, too, you know? And it's like, geez, get A.J. Casey the ball. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? But, yeah, it's it's all right. I, I don't mind it a whole lot. It really stinks when the rosters are on my phone. And then I'm using <laughs> my phone. <laughs> you, like, create an animal that's, like, yeah. you can't put back in because it's... It's rough. Because, like, I'm not going to lie. I don't know the names of every Hinsdale Central player on the floor. And I don't have a roster in front of me. And, you know, there's the couple of guys I've been watching... I'm like, I have this deep fear in my heart that a kid's going to hit a game winner. And 27, number 27. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to know who he is because the roster's on my phone. And that would be really awkward. So that's my greatest fear. Hasn't happened yet. Points for number 11. <laughs> yeah. But um, all right. Thanks for your questions, everybody. You can always send those to my email. It's M-O-B-R-I-E-N at suntimes.com. Five surprises. Joe and I went back and forth the last day trying to pick these. One team was in, and then they lost last night and got booted out. But uh, let's start off with Barrington, Joe. Yeah, I mean, Barrington kind of opens, you know, eyes with, you know, I think with that win over Fremd. You know, uh, Fremd's just kind of a little bit of a kingpin in the mid-suburban league and yeah. knocked them off. You know, last year, they, they Barrington won 20 games. They, they finished fourth in the league. But I, I just think that, you know, they are a team to watch going forward in, in that because of their size. They've got great size. They've got some, uh, you know, Damian Zivak, he's a 6'4", 6'5". He was an all-mid-suburban league kid last year. He's a three-year starter. He's just a strong, thick, productive, you know, forward. Will Grudzinski is a 6'6", junior, got some length and Really came on last year as a sophomore, expanded his game, and then a, a kid I think is just just starting to scratch the surface is, is Nate Bolt, six eight, six nine, big kid. 
has a little bit of varsity experience. So, I mean, you're talking right there, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'8". That's some great size. Uh, they got a transfer from Conant, Daniel Hong. Uh, he started last year at Conant. He's a 6'1", junior guard. So they've got a lot of nice pieces, scoring potential around that size, too, Mike, is they've got some guys, some unheralded guys that could, could knock shots down. Uh, some three-point threats, so they have a lot of scoring uh, weapons that they can, you know, go to with that height that, you know, most teams don't have. Yeah, the the six nine Nate Bolt uh, definitely caught my eye there. You know, whenever you see a junior with that kind of size, it's already productive. Uh, to kind of run through Barrington's season, they opened up with a lopsided wins against Schaumburg and Hoffman Estates, then won a seven pointer against Palatine, beat Conant by six. Then they beat Friend by 10. That's the one Joe talked about, and that's when we all kind of perked up. Then they lost to Rolling Meadows, you know, by double digits, kind of heavy. But they came back last night and beat Schaumburg for a second time. So they're, other than Rolling Meadows, they've really kind of rolled through this uh, MSL schedule. And we should also mention that they were on Joe's top 50 countdown. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Well, and I think, you know, that you mentioned the Rolling Meadows matchup. And, you know, there is a mid-suburban league championship game again this year which i anticipate and expect a rematch you know where barrington we get another shot at rolling meadows barrington now is a game up on fremd in that mid-suburban league west boy that would be um i've been to like the last three four mid-suburban league title games i think it's been a regular thing and yeah not seeing Fremd in that would be really weird, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. That, that would be strange. Um, all right, next up, we're going to go with Richards. Richards is f- off to a 5-0 and start this season. It hasn't been the most challenging schedule, but 5-0 and is 5-0. and And I think it should be noted that Richards has won three consecutive conference titles. They have mm-hmm. really dominated, and they're on their way to a fourth here. They're led by Anthony Taylor. He's a senior. He's going to, He signed with Moraine Valley. This is his third year on varsity. And listen to these numbers. This is so far this season for Anthony Taylor. 25 points, 11 rebounds for Shepard. 27 points, 12 rebounds for TF North. 21 points, 10 rebounds versus Revis. 23.7 rebounds versus Bremen. And then just had 26 against Argo. I mean, in a season in which guys, as I mentioned before, are not putting up you know, 20s real regularly around the area. That's a monster run for him. And uh, he's really the only guy they had back. they got four new guys that have stepped up. But Anthony Taylor, having a star like that, you know, does a lot for any team. Yeah, lost four starters. And is that a league that only plays league games, do you know? I, I'm not sure. I hope. Yeah. I hope. Uh, no, wait, no, TF North played somebody else, I think. Well, they're South Suburban Red. North is in the blue. Oh. Well, they got to be and I know- the same, right? Right, I would think. I thought. Anyway, I I think they only can play league games, but I could be wrong. Because your Hillcrest uh, was limited to. Right. Hmm. And I'm I'm looking at the standings now. It looks like everybody, although Oak Lawn has two losses. I don't know. Anyway. The other uh, guys to mention here: uh, Santiago Rios has stepped up for them. He's a junior. He had 18 against Shepard. Stevan Leeds is a senior guard. Ladarius Kelly, a junior. And then I think we got another name to keep an eye on here, a sophomore, Monty Story. Looks like he hasn't been in double digits every game, but he had 15 against Revis last night, which I think was his career high so far, and 12 against Argo. So it's uh, definitely a team to keep an eye on. Richards has been good the last few years. We haven't talked about them a ton, but I've seen them 
think at least once most of those years. And they're a fun team to watch. I think they've kind of been under the radar the last few seasons. Yeah, that, that, they had the Wines kid and Albert yeah. Jones last year. Uh, you know, I always got a glimpse at them at the Hinsdale Central Holiday Tournament. Next up, DeKalb into the rankings, 9-0. and Wait, are they 10-0 after last ten, night? 10-0. Yeah, 10-0 yep. after last night. Uh, Trenton Kyler, a senior, scored his 1,000th point. He's also a good quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. Google tells me. Kind of cool last night. Uh, he needed 32 points. To get his 1,000 points, that's a lot <laughs> in a high school game. He got 33. <laughs> he made it. So would have thought maybe would have taken another game, but Kyler got it done. Um, this team had a 36-8 to run, I read, against Nequa Valley, which is kind of like what I saw with Bonzi Valley do to Nequa Valley, which is a little concerning for a team that's been in the rankings this season. Yeah, I mean, this is a it's a guard-oriented, guard-dominated team. Uh Trenton Collar is just a really stellar all-around athlete who's just one of those players, though, Mike, that, you know, if you, that you feel like it's been there forever. I feel like Trenton Collar has been it. I, I think it's because I started talking about Trenton Collar with Al Biancolano when he oh, first yeah. came into high school, and it just feels like he's been there forever. But, um, you know, they, they had a transfer from South Elgin, Lane McVick, McVicker, uh, who's got a lot of experience. Uh, Jamarcus Winter is a senior, uh, Darrell Island, a sophomore guard. So they, they, they provide a lot of ball pressure. They get out in the wings, defend, uh, they spread you out offensively and just go attack. And the, the, again, guard heavy. And they, I can't remember. Have they played Wabansi Valley? Um, hold on. I've got them in here. Uh, I think they so. Have, yes. Uh, 55-49. So, I mean, those are the top two teams in that DuPage Valley Conference. Uh, you always forget that DeKalb is part of the DuPage Valley. <laughs> the only reason we're talking about it. Only the second year in the coverage area, and they're making waves yeah. already. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, and that's a team that would have been, a you know, a pretty usually a favorable postseason road. Yeah. If, yeah. if there would have been one. Uh, they would have been kind of positioned themselves for a high seed. It's, it might be one of those, eh. Bad, uh, bad taste in your mouth when you have a great season and nothing to play for at the end. But anyway, yeah, the, that's uh, that kind of takes us into the next one. We're going to talk about Mount Carmel, who you know, record-wise, does not really seem like they should be part of this group. They're just four and three. But if you look at their losses, it was I think they got five, five, three. I think oh, they won last night. Yeah, five yeah. and three. Sorry, my uh, the uh, wait, no, they're still four. Or no, three. no, they yeah. lost Ignatius. My bad. Yeah. They lost to Ignatius last night, which, you know, is a good team that's been ranked. They lost to Fenwick in the season opener in overtime at Fenwick. You know, no, <laughs> we saw Notre Dame made it overtime to beat them. You know, no uh, shame in that. And then they lost Whitney Young um, at Mount Carmel on Saturday. So those are quality losses. And I saw, well, I watched the Mount Carmel-Fenwick game like a lot of us did on, on the stream. Mm-hmm. But I was there in person for the Young game. And, man, I just kept thinking the whole second half, that this Mount Carmel team, in a normal season, if they got a chance, because it, cause it's, you know, they do have the star sophomore, DeAndre Craig, but this is a senior-led team, and it's the seniors that gave Young and Fenwick, you know, big challenges. If they had until the normal, you know, November through March to grow, I think this is a team that would have been scary, even in that loaded sectional they're in, simply because, I mean, two guys especially, Grant Mason and Matthew Hawkins, they are the kind of senior guards that win playoff games. 
they just go all out. They let Whitney Young's guards just have it all night. Really kept them from being very effective, frankly, in that game. Whitney Young needed the bigs to win. Yeah, yeah Matt Hawkins has been a reliable scorer on the perimeter for Mount Carmel. He was our leading scorer a year ago. Uh, Big-time three-point threat. Hit some huge buckets uh, late in that Fenwick game when they came up short. So, yeah, he's been a, a reliable, steady force as a scorer for them, a six-foot senior guard. You know, a really heavily recruited small college uh, prospect right now. And, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Craig, a development. Jaden Benson's a really a versatile yeah. versatile uh, player for them with some, you know, a little bit of length, 6'3", length and wiriness on the, on the perimeter as well. So, and, and they got some... You know, some physicality uh, with, with Grant Mason, tough physical defender, uh, and then some size and Elijah Jointer is 6'5", 6'6", big man. So they've got a lot of nice pieces, and it'll be interesting to see going forward in some of these, you know, higher stakes Catholic League games, you know, how the caravan, you know, where they kind of find themselves in terms of competing against the very best in that league. Yeah, in the future, there's some stuff there. Miles Griffith, the junior, had a really eye-opening, just ripped the ball away from, I don't remember if it was Jason Thomas or who it was, but one of those steals, you know, in the front court and went down for a dunk that I did not expect him to be able to throw down at all. Really athletic, Miles Griffith. And then uh, the other underclassman to go along for next year is Elijah Jointer. has had some big games for them. He's 6'5". So it's interesting to see what Phil Seagroves is doing over at Mount Carmel there, you know, they've kind of been out of the picture for a while, but they're coming back. And you could tell Saturday was important to them. They knew that, that just playing with Young was going to help kind of get them back on the map. Uh, next up, another Catholic League team. It's quite a year in the Catholic League. Brother Rice, 5-0. and Bobby Frazier, getting it done. He, he's really... You know, there's no Marquise Kennedy on this team, that's for sure. They've got an interesting young guard, Namad Henderson, a sophomore. But other than that, it's ball movement. You know, I wouldn't even say they're like usual brother race level shooters. You know what I mean? They're just guys that move the ball so well and find the open man. That, I mean, as you know, Joe, that's kind of shocking in this COVID season when you see a team that's already kind of in the flow and moving the ball like that. And that's what brother race had. Frank Kania. I think was the leading scorer. He's a 6'4 guy. Luke Moustakis, uh, Cullen Cosme was good. Garrett Green. But they went deep, and they just moved that ball until they had an easy open shot and hit it. Yeah, of all the teams on our list here, to me, you know, they're all a surprise in some way. You know, I, I, I'm probably most surprised with how Brother Rice has looked. I've seen them a little bit um, in, a, in a stream. But Luke Mustakas to me is is a different player than he was a year ago. He's a six seven big who can stretch the floor, and uh, he's he looks like he's moving better, playing a little more confidence and assertiveness. Uh, Garrett Green is, you know, they don't have. I mean, he is a shooter. I mean, there's no question. He he came on towards the end of last year. Uh, they put him in the starting lineup. I think I don't know at one point, but he really came on, showed a lot of potential. And it would have been a kid that I think would have really blossomed in the offseason. You mentioned Cosme. He's just a strong, scrappy fighter. Uh, and then Ahmad Henderson has some special, unique characteristics with the ball in his hands. And you, you throw that all together uh, with a quality coach. Yeah, I mean, I they have they, they've taken care of business. And kind of what I just said with Mount Carmel, 
the next thing is to figure out can Brother Rice compete and play at at the highest level in the Catholic League against the you know the the best of the bunch, um, which right now to me without question is is the best team in the Catholic League is DePaul. Uh, they they are I think in a class above everyone, and but we'll see just kind of how some of these matchups play out in the Catholic League with some of these surprise and sleepers. Yeah, DePaul, oh, Brother Rice obviously hasn't played DePaul yet. They also haven't played Fenwick yet. So it could be a little early with this. They, they beat Providence St. Mal and Montini, both of them like 30-point wins. The game I was at was at Ignatius, and they won in overtime. And then they had a nice win against De La Salle. So the only challenge they've really had so far was Ignatius. So they beat Providence last night by 20. So so they are beating, you know, kind of the second-tier Catholic League teams handily. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the tests are definitely... Yet to come, but we will keep an eye on the Crusaders for sure. And let's uh, get into our two takes. You want to start us off, Joe? Yeah, two takes. First one is a complaint, whiny take. Uh, it's, it's and it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not critically important to high school basketball. Nonetheless, uh, this whole um, that the the tweets and the what am I trying to say, Mike? Um, the, the the Twitter handle, the tweets of players when I don't know their names, or schools tweeting about their kids and just using the Twitter handle, or schools even using their own district Twitter handle or high school Twitter numbers handle. I, nobody knows what you're talking about or who they are. Joe, uh, you don't know when at DDS 24 7 <laughs> No, I mean, I, I don't, it, it's, 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 and it's just becoming more and more common. Yeah. Like just tweeting, just tweet the name, the school name, tweet the player's name. I don't want their Twitter handle. Most people, I'm not trying to sound like an old man, but <laughs> what, what, what's so hard about typing a kid's name? Is, is that hard, Mike? I mean, it can, I keep screwing it up, so it must be hard, but, but yeah, and I mean, the reason they put those handles in there is so that the players see it and retweet it and it gets more engagement. Right, it's all about you, engagement, but you can add those, them at the end, yes. add them at the end. Yeah. and then the other thing with that is what happened, and now this is probably the older guy getting, whatever, can we just call them seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen? And just leave it at that. Even on, I don't, the 2024, 2023, 2020, just, just he's a 2020, whatever. Just give me the, like in a, in a tweet or a story. I mean, I guess in a tweet, you can shorten it with the class, but, and, and I'm, I'll sometimes put class of 2021 or I'll use it as a prospect ranking, but I don't know, man. I just, the, the, the Twitter stuff, man. Yeah, I never use that class stuff like in it. I mean, that's why I think of it. In a story, it would just seem odd. On Twitter, it seems odd. Like, the, the general reader, especially... Well, definitely in a story, to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. Definitely in a story, no question. Twitter, I, I mean, at least there's at least a... I just want it on the like, roster. I don't want any more rosters where it says class, and it's got 2022, 2021, 2020. First of all, there's only one digit different, and so it all blurs together when you're looking at this stuff, then you got to constantly do the math in your head. That's changing every few months. 
just put freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. That would be great. I'm with Joe on this one. <laughs> well, and particularly the Twitter handles. Come on. Yeah. I I literally had to click on somebody's Twitter handle to find out who the kid was, and I couldn't even tell who the kid was because the Twitter handle didn't even have the, his name. So they had to scroll through to figure out who this kid was. Eh, whatever. whatever. Well, and the big thing, like when people are doing roundups or highlights, or I'm going to guess possibly college coaches, you go to Twitter and you search someone's name. And, you know, if you're putting the Twitter handle in there, they're not going to see how many points that kid scored two weeks ago against Oswego East. You know what I mean? At Joe Hoops Report with 26 last night. I mean, that's no good. So, yeah, that's our old man yelling at cloud segment. of. (laughs) I feel like now I'm wondering if I should go with my, like, legit take that I – well, I researched both takes or my other – yeah, let's go with the other. It's not really a complaint. It's something I noticed while I was, you know, looking into DeKalb. For uh, well, I looked into them over the weekend for the rankings, and then today a little bit more for our surprise segment. And I found out this little nugget. Guess what's happening on Saturday, Joe? No clue. The I'll not, be it. I'll the, be in Glenview. The ninety-third annual Chuck Dayton Holiday Classic. Oh, they're gonna keep it rolling. Yeah, can you believe this? Okay, so <laughs> I think from what I can gather here, it's just gonna be on Saturday. And it's three games. Now, pay attention because this is confusing. At 11.30 a.m., in true holiday tournament style, we're starting out early with DeKalb versus Rockford Christian. Then at 3, Rockford Christian plays again against Indian Creek. And then at 6.30, DeKalb and Indian Creek are going to play. That just sounds like a regular West Suburban Conference. (laughs) (laughs) So there's three teams in the annual Chuck Dayton Holiday Classic, and they're each going to play two games. I don't think you can count it. On, but uh, there's a reason that this is going on. Because it's the longest running De- or something? De- okay. You know, I've always talked about Pontiac is the oldest. Now, Pontiac started in 1926, but it took off 1942 to 1947 for World War II. DeKalb started in 1928. So two years after Pontiac. However, DeKalb has never taken a year off. So they build themselves as the longest continually running holiday tournament. I'm calling BS. <laughs> yeah, I did not give Joe a heads up on this. I wanted to know what his raw opinion was. I don't yeah. like it at all. That's too fabricated. If they had, I think you have to have minimum eight teams. <laughs> you got to have eight teams in a tournament. My issue with it, I think maybe I could have... It's fraudulent. I could have gotten... I think they could have gotten away with it. My issue is, it's not a holiday. You should have done it President's Weekend. That could have been a holiday. (laughs) Then it could have been the Holiday Classic. My problem is, now it's just a tournament, man. It's not not even really... Okay, it is what it is, but the holiday stuff, it's kind of tough to, um, you know... To sell, there as far as much as I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, no you could have presidents and valentines. Yeah, see, there you go. But there's no holiday this weekend, so when's yeah. St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> but here we go. It's so I, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I'm yeah. glad DeKalb's having a great season, though. But I don't, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like the holiday tournament. Yeah, I think it's, I do think it's pretty funny. <laughs> but... My uh, second take is usually we. We have this little bit different um, schedule for the podcast. It's like kind of smack dab in the middle of the week instead of 
usually it's a Sunday or a Monday that Mike do do we yeah. do this and we we review and then the look ahead sometimes is kind of too far ahead to really do you know what I mean like the big game on Saturday and we're previewing it on Sunday or Monday it's just not quite the same yeah. well now that we're in the middle and we're inching closer to this weekend there's something big going on in this weird high school season and it's Glenbrook South Evanston you know, I, I just think this is kind of what the high school basketball usually is all about. And we finally are going to get a taste of it a little bit because of, well, I'm not super excited about a doubleheader, but, yeah. you know, Evanston's 8-0. Glenbrook South's 10-0. Um, Mike, where do, the, where do you have them ranked off the top of your head, you know? Evanston is 2 and Glenbrook South is not. Um, I'm going to say 11 or something. Okay, so two highly ranked teams, two unbeaten teams, conference title on the line. You know, they play back-to-back Friday night at Evanston, Saturday at Glenbrook South. I just think it's a really cool uh, – I'm looking for cool things in this modified COVID season, and I think this is one of them. And then you throw the little caveat that the winner – Take all that league gets to play in the the postseason or the the eight team. It's actually a tournament. Uh, the Chipotle Clash of Champions at the end of the season adds a little bit to the drama of Evanston Glenbrook South. I just think it's a, a, a big time, as big as you can get in this type of a season. Yeah, Glenbrook South is actually number nine. They're up into the top ten, not through twelve. So two top ten teams. And last year, man, that. I was at the Evanston at Glenbrook South game where Glenbrook South beat them. Um, you know, Don Martinelli had a massive game, hit the game winner. And Nick Martinelli and Cooper Nord both played well. And these teams got a little, they're a little chippy. Yeah. <laughs> it was and, fun. And, and there's a lot on the line because of, well, I mentioned the tournament thing, but you know, Evanston, I think they're shooting for, it's either number six or number seven. I remember talking to coach, you know, Mike Ellis at the beginning of the year and, beginning of the season and just you could hear the importance of it that that that, that was um you know front and center for them to keep that streak going you look at these seniors from Blake Peters uh, on down I mean they've only been part of conference titles and, and winning now a lot of the other goals are no longer there for them this is still there Glenbrook South meanwhile you know, since Coach Phil Rawlson has taken over, has con- just climbed the ladder and become more and more prominent. You know, they had an opportunity last year. They get into the sectional. They lost. They, you know, didn't win a, you know, the conference championship. An outright title is, is there for them if they can go in and take care of Evanston. It's kind of their final climb, uh, you know, without a postseason to, 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 you know, go through, this is their opportunity. And I think that's going to be a, well, I can't say a great atmosphere, but it'll, it'll be a, a, a high stakes, you know, moment for those kids to play in. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to the Saturday afternoon one. Is my yeah. That one will be, uh, we'll, we'll be streaming that on no fans and stands TV. I'll be there uh, doing that there. So uh, that should be fun. It is the, Double header thing is just lame. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten not used to it in high school. Just seeing so much of it in college. A lot of these leagues are doing that. 
So you, not that it's normal, but I'm like, I don't know. It's like a little mini two-game baseball series, but oh well. And I guess it doesn't matter a ton. If Evanston like wins on at home on Friday night and kills them, then I guess we'd have some, I, I don't know. Ah, whatever. I, I guess since it is the conference race, maybe it'll be more interesting, the doubleheader thing. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll have to. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Um, it, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see from a basketball perspective. I, I, I well, I guess I won't because I won't see the Friday night game. I won't see the adjustments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I thought I was like going to say. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to see just kind of how they adjust, but I won't know how they adjusted. Uh, my second take here is going to be uh, on a team I saw the other day, Kankakee, who which, uh, knocked off Thornton in the game I watched. And I just wanted to, I think we should maybe take a minute to appreciate what Chris Pickett has done there. And I think there's, I'm just not sure why. Nobody cares about Kankakee. Like, nobody talks about him. Nobody seems to take him seriously. You know, this is a team that, Pickett's first year, 2017-18, they were 21-7. and Twenty eighteen nineteen, they were twenty two and seven, and then last year was what they were building for. And last year they were twenty seven and four. When the season ended, they were ready to play the sectional final against Morgan Park. And yeah, you can laugh that off and say you know Morgan Park would have whatever, but I, I think you might remember this at the time. In the sectional semifinal, Kankakee knocked off Oak Forest a team we covered all season and were very high on, they whooped them 72-51 to in that game. That is that senior-laden Oak Forest team, you know, plus, you know, Robbie Avila, which had a magical season. They smashed them by 19 points in the biggest game of this, their season. So that's the Kankakee team that was coming in to play Morgan Park. They have a high, they had a high major recruit, A.J. Store, that for some reason nobody in the area cared about at all last year. A bunch of other kids that could really play. You know, their team this year that I saw that would be would have been a legit 3A threat if we had the playoffs. They are just they're they don't have anybody outstanding this season, but they play hard, they can make shots, they don't do stupid things. You know, this is a program that has been a success, could have had a huge success last year, got cheated out of it, and is on the way, you know, again this year with a fabulous start. And I just, Chris Pickett thinks it's because of where they're located. They're just too far out. Even the South Suburbs thinks they're far out. And, you know, Central Illinois doesn't claim them because they're too far north. They're just kind of in the nowhere. But things are happening at Chris Pickett, and I think people need to keep their eyes a little bit more on them. I mean, I I think that's exactly the reason, Mike. I mean, I was literally doing a little homework right now on, on that fact. Uh Kankakee High School. It's not that far. Okay, I'm going to argue with you. Yeah. Kankakee to Thornton, Harvey, which I consider a south suburb, is one hour and four minute drive, 50 miles. No, no, 46, 46 miles. 46 miles on 57. That's far drive, Mike, for a south suburban that's kick. You're not driven a kick. I know you've driven a kick. I was, yeah, I was there last year. It's, it's far. It's 58 miles from me. Okay. It's, it's 46 from Thornton High School. Yeah. According but, to Google Maps. 
Oh, okay, so by comparison, Zion Benton's 54. We talk about them all the time. 54 to what? From me. I'm just saying to you. I'm, I'm literally I'm the talking about your nearest competitors. Yeah, but I mean, from the city, they're the same as anybody, you know. I mean, you're, you're, I consider Piatone far away. You don't consider Piatone kind of far away? Yeah, I mean. So. I guess I don't really, I don't really consider, full disclosure, I don't really consider Piatone much. So. Well, my point is. It's a little closer, yeah. It, it's, it's 24 miles from Piatone. I mean, we were just talking about where, you're talking about from Harvey. I'm just saying, it's like an island. I mean, there's nothing, like Kankakee is, there's nothing other than Bourbon, eh? That's, yeah. that's just, I'm agreeing with the coach. Yeah, that. I think that's it's, why. I think it's a bit of South Suburban. I think we get a lot. Want, you don't want to include them? Yeah, I think we get a lot of South Suburban bias. The Fox Valley's all 50 miles away from me too. And, and they're more talked about. No, no, I'm just saying, you, you, you said why the South Suburbs. Yeah. But the Fox Valley is that, all by each other. That to- I- oh, I totally get that. That totally makes sense. But that doesn't describe why kind of the larger high school basketball consciousness, you know, because they're five miles further than, you know, Oswego and Joliet. I mean. Five miles further than what? Than like uh, Joliet and Oswego are from the city. I was saying Kankakee's <laughs> by nobody except for Bourbonnet. Yeah. Nobody. I, I get that. Surrounding them, there isn't much. It's St. Anne and Man, what, Mantino and uh, Reed Custer. So, like, the road. Me, it's that like, makes sense. But for somebody in Chicago, what do they care? What's around Kankakee? I mean. Well, it's like your Ottawa run of as long as they, you know what I mean? I mean, Ottawa's far away. Oh, yeah. Ottawa's good. And they're by nobody. Yeah, that, that's and they're true. Out, and they're out of our now, Kankakee's been, well, I mean, Ottawa's been pretty good. Anyway. They're, they're having a good year this year. I'm trying to make it an excuse to go to that gym. Good, <laughs> good, a, good gym. Really I think good. they're like 8-1 and one or something. It's a, yeah, I want to get over there. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. And I wonder what they – I mean, that team last year, I was at the um, – you know, Kankakee? The, yeah, they only lost to Thornton by three that second time at Thornton. You know, that team uh, who – I, I liked that team last year. They, they could have really done something. And I think they, they were one of the teams that got cheated out of, you know, could have been fun. Or maybe they just lost to Morgan Park. <laughs> they, lost, uh, they lost to Thornton last year twice. Bloom twice. That's lost it. to Bloom twice. Yeah. And Bloom by double digits both times. Nine the second time is what I had. I, and they improved both. They lost, you know, Thornton beat them by 12 in Kankakee in January. The only thing, Mike, and, and as we're dissecting – Kankakee's 2019. The rest point. of the wins weren't super strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. Do they have a really good win? They had an okay, but yeah, they didn't have like a loaded schedule. That's very yeah. true. Uh, yeah. No but, doubt about it. But they, they they did their job in the postseason and they took apart a team both you and I both liked a lot. Yeah, I remember seeing that score and thinking it was wrong. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I, mean, I wasn't surprised they won, but. But they whooped him. Um, would have been fun anyway. And AJ Store is getting all kinds. He blew up as soon as he left. You just got to get on a cake and key to get recruited. <laughs> Sorry, Chris Pickett. <laughs> but and his sister is like a a national superstar. Yeah, I, I think like top 
two in the class in her year, so it's really surprising that nobody... Um... Anyway, uh, the week ahead, or I guess the next few days, we, we talked about the Glenbrook, Glenbrook South, actually. Uh, they got to play New Trier on Thursday, at New Trier. So that's a three-day stretch for you at New Trier and then Evanston. Also, what did you real quick? Did you? Yeah. I know you. T- I think you tweeted it. The New Trier gymnasium deal. Yeah. Wait, that's crazy to me. Which what's crazy that they're building a new one? One just squashing, smashing a whole gym down, and spending seventy-five million dollars on a. Oh, I'm, a, a new athletic complex. I'm shocked it took this long. No referendum needed. We're just going to... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't believe it still exists. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't knock that thing down 20 years ago and build. I wanted to just kind of refurbish. They don't have a lot of room, and they want, like, other things, I think. You know, not, it's not just about basketball. Yeah. And they're kind of that thing's kind of locked in, and... And yeah, when you yeah. look at the fancy things all around that they could have, I'm I'm shocked it lasted this long, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's a I, I, people like the gym. I'm not a huge fan of the gym. Yeah, I it's, think it's okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. But it, to, the new one looks cool, though. I think to me that was a big takeaway. If they build it like it looks in those drawings, yeah, those renderings are pretty cool. They were neat. We need, and Lord knows we don't have any good new gyms. So that would, yeah, I mean it's definitely not a. A sterile, new, fabricated, prefab yeah. gyms that all look the same and are built in the suburbs. And, and let me tell you, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus here, but those gyms that were built uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, in the last 20 years, that all look the same with plastic bleachers up huge both sides and then yeah. walls on the end. Yeah. A lot of them oh. are starting to look like crap <laughs> now. I mean, and these are schools with money, and those bleachers are not holding up. They show dirt, they get cracked, they just, and they look old. We're talking about 12, 15-year-old gyms. I go in at nice schools, and I'm like, this is kind of crappy. It's not holding up. It's got no character. I I just, I don't think it was even like, it wasn't even a smart economic move to build that thing, I I don't think. It's just, ugh, Um, bad. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> don't go back and look where I was the last two weeks because you'll be able to figure that out way too easily. <laughs> I, I've figured out two places already. <laughs> oh but uh, anyway, um, I will say one of the places. Yeah. I, well, forget it. I'll, I'll, I don't want to rip them. Yeah, forget. we don't need to. Uh, we're going to stay positive. It's only a couple weeks season. We can be negative all next year. Uh, Simeon at Curie, which uh, Robert Smith was desperately trying to get a game before he played Curie. That did not happen. Um, I think Curie played King last night, but we had no score. But I did see on Facebook Mike Oliver had his team in a uniform and said it was good to be back. So they might have had an opener. I should probably check on that. But obviously that's going to be a big one. Friday, Fenwick at Brother Rice. The test we were talking about for the Crusaders. They get it at home, so that should help. That'll be interesting. Obviously, Glenbrook South at Evanston. Glenbard West, who I saw last night, who, let me talk about it for a second. Everybody raved about them to me, and I agree. Really good. However, I think that team has a huge hole and a massive weakness. And uh, Jason Apoka, the coach, mentioned it as well. He mentioned it before I mentioned it to him. They need a point guard. Bad. Um, that's going to be a problem for... I mean, next year, this is a team that can, you can see at State, you know, for sure. But they need a point guard. 
um, a primary ball handler, at least. He said that's what they're going to try to figure out the rest of the season. Um, they're at Oak Park, and what should be a fun one. Oak Park got a win last night. Uh, and then Saturday, Evanston and Glenbrook South at 2. How about this one? This is a fun one. Lake Forest at St. Patrick at 7.15. I am uh, planning to be there. What, fr- what night is that? Saturday. Okay. That's a nice game. Um, then uh, two, oh, another uh, fun one. Young at Thornton at noon. Sean Burris, you know, is out. He's not going to be back for that. I'm just not sure Thornton has enough um, in that one. Although just seeing Young play at Thornton will be pretty cool. Oh, I think that did happen last year, too. Uh, I did not go deep, guys. Sorry on the schedule. I had to quickly uh, jump this. So I'm sure there are a ton of other great games Friday and Saturday. That everyone can check. Oh, Clark at North Lawndale on Friday night. It's where I'm going to be if North Lawndale lets me in. I've not gotten an okay yet, but that's a two big games early. Clark at North Lawndale and Simeon Carey in those conference races. I mean, that not much time not to have a big one. I know, seriously. <laughs> get into it, get out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be quick and fast in the public league. Yeah, boy, is it ever. It's going to be loaded up. Well, that'll do us for uh, this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back. Next week, and we're gonna have some. I think I feel like we're gonna have like the first full picture now that we've seen these public league teams all play. It'll be a little bit more fun. Talk to you then.